God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we're also on YouTube. We have our YouTube channel that's under my name, Susan Puzio. And we have our website, propheticnews.com. And, of course, we have our brand-new book that's been edited with a new title, And I've added a few more chapters and some very interesting information. And the new book title is, drumroll, (laughs) President Trump's pastor, Paula White, the miracle-selling huckster who became the spiritual advisor to the world's most powerful man. So you might ask yourself, what was the world's most powerful man doing with Mrs. Moon? a woman who claims that she is God. Now, that's some food for thought, isn't it? But anyway, the book is up on Amazon and Kindle right now, and the paperback should be out in a week, week or two. But anyway, the book is completely updated from the other Paula White book that I wrote. And so it's got a lot of good information in it, and it's information people need to know. And then our other book, Seed Faith, can a man bribe God? And I don't know when I'm ever going to update that one, but <laughs> I will. Anyway, I want to bring on our very special guest today, Jackie Alnor. Ta da! Here I am. <laughs> Here is our special guest. Now, Jackie has been doing apologetics discernment ministry for many, many years, in case some of my listeners don't know Jackie. Most of the regular listeners already know her, but she's been doing investigative reporting on all different phases of, let's say, church history, in a sense. What's going on in the church that's that we need to pay attention to because you could kind of see the whole political winds, the way they're blowing and the political winds, the way they've been blowing throughout church history. So we have people like Jackie who spent 30 years at least doing this kind of work. So she has something to say. She's done a lot of research, tremendous amount of research during her time serving the Lord. So there's not too many people out there right now that are that are doing this kind of work. There are some great people, and we, we love and admire their work, and we thank God for them. So we also thank God for our sister, Jackie. So welcome, Jackie. It's always good to be here with you, Susan. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you, too. She's a good friend and confidant and um, someone you can just bounce things off and you know, you have a yeah. friend. 
<laughs> we do a lot of brainstorming together, that's yeah, for sure. Brain, brain. <laughs> well, two brains, two brains are better than one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's so much information that that you can think about and research and investigate, and then you say, "Wow!" Like, yeah, it's like information overload because there's so much going on right now. It's unbelievable the things that are going on. Yeah, and there doesn't seem to be anything curtailing it. You know, the the bad things in the church that are going on are just nothing stopping them. You know, they're just going full force ahead with error and, you know, the great apostasy and and then the crazy stuff going on in politics and and entertainment. All all those seven mountains are all totally out of control. <laughs> yeah, well... Of course, we have the They're same. all taken over. Who took over the seven mountains? It wasn't the church. That's well, the clue. The thing church. is, what what difference is the seven mountains going to work when, uh, or, or what difference is it going to make? As we could see now with the way these world events have turned, I I never thought Putin was serious about invading the Ukraine. He said he wasn't going to do it. What tipped him off? Uh, enough to say I'm taking it and they're taking it they're nobody's gonna go to war against Russia right now and he's Putin is also threatening Finland and, and Sweden he doesn't want any of his close neighbors to be any part of NATO and he's warning them if they join NATO and bring the NATO troops into onto his back door he's going after them as well yeah well, there's something I haven't done enough research to really speak intelligently about the whole NATO thing. I don't quite understand what's going on there or why he thinks it's a threat. There could be a good reason why he thinks it's a threat, but do you know? Well, I know that Trump, when he was president, wanted to get us out of NATO. Yeah. And it's pretty much any of the NATO countries, any that are part of NATO, if one of them is attacked, the others have to assume they're being attacked. And so they all have to back one another in, in wars. And that is a dangerous place to be. And I think I, I wish Trump would have gotten out of it. I see it as the military arm of the UN. And yeah. um, because they seem to be the ones directing it. Yeah. it. It's that same agenda that directs the world economic forum. And I know that's a topic for another day, but that's the way I see it in a nutshell. I just see it as the military arm of the New World Order. Yeah. So I think there could be a good reason for his mindset about the New World Order and the NATO thing. So I don't mm -hmm. know. We can't. It's so hard to be able to discern the news. I'm not saying what he's doing is right. No, I'm not saying that at all. But we don't know mm -hmm. everything that's going on behind the scenes. And I think yeah. it's a disaster for the people that are losing their lives, of course. But looking at it prophetically, I see it as a setup for a hook in the jaw. Uh, because I think even this was kind of, he, he saw no other way out. And as far as him, or, or if, if he indeed is the prophesied Gog of, and Magog, as far as Ezekiel 38 goes, if he sees, you know, if he sees that 
Israel is a threat over there because now he has a, a command center now in, in Syria, and he has threatened Israel if they come in to attack the Iranian bases that they have been going in after, then he's going to, he's going to see it as an attack on Russia. And so as far as somebody on your border who is a threat, Israel has that problem. Putin doesn't want it for Russia, but he doesn't care if uh, Israel has that problem. Oh, that, that's a typical neighbor thing, isn't it? It's like <laughs> we, <laughs> your neighbor wants to do what they want to do on their property, even if it affects your property, but they don't care about it. You say, well, it's my property too. And they say, well, it's my property. So, yeah. That makes sense. The neighbor wars. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense, but it's senseless. It's senseless. It really is. But when you have that kind of power and you have all these weapons and you have soldiers that will fight for you, they say, well, the Ukrainians are going to fight. Well, they're not going to win. No, but he doesn't even want them to resist. No. But, you know, but it, it's just, you know, again, it's signs of the times, wars and rumors of wars, and everything is just blowing up on all fronts. And, uh, and, and there's really not much we can do except watch and know that God overall is in control and what, you know, what, what may look like, you know, like things are so out of control. It, it's nothing surprises the Lord. And, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, that this is the countdown of, you know, tribulation or something, but these trends are going in bad direction, you know, and, you know, and in spite of that, and then the same day that the attack happened, because I follow a lot of different people that are kind of watching things, there were two really scary UFO sightings. One was in El Paso, Texas, and the other one was over Moscow. Yeah. All on that same day, yeah. it was a UFO of a triangular bright light stat staying stationary in the middle of the sky. And they looked identical. So, you know, weird stuff like that. Because, you know, if this, if this UFO thing comes into play somehow in, with its demonic nature, and then it's interesting that whenever there's any mobilization of wars or of messing with nuclear energy or anything like that, that's when these sightings happen a lot. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens on that front as well. You know, oh, well, it's something to keep an eye on. Oh, well, it, it is. It's just, it's unbelievable. I couldn't believe the events, how they're taking place. And like you said, he wanted them to just give up, which they should have just given up because they're no match for him and his forces no and he's not he's not intimidated by no. biden no. whatsoever no <laughs> no <laughs> you see how they backed down they oh they were they were oh making this threat and that threat now they're not threatening so much anymore because nobody wants to tangle right now with getting in a full-scale war with russia so i i see I see just they're going into the capital of Kiev, which they're saying it. I, they have two different ways now to pronounce it. I always knew it as Kiev. Some say oh, it's Kiev. It's Kiev. It's just that Biden mispronounced it, so all the talking heads are mispronouncing it the way he did to make him not look so stupid. Well, yeah, they were they were 
pronouncing it like that during those impeachment hearings too. It's like, what is this? But anyway, yeah, yeah, yes, I know, yeah. I, I know this too. Yeah, so that was weird, but they should have, yeah, they should have just surrendered. He's he's going to take it over, and that and it's going to be over. So that, why do people have to lose their lives? My father used to say he was in World War II and he was he was driving a tank and he was actually in the Battle of the Bulge and brave brave young wow. kid, and he 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 said to me later on, oh well, you know, the leaders of the countries should go in and duke it out and not send young men in to be killed to fight their battles, and that's it. They want yeah. other people to fight their battles, and they're, they're telling us now that we have to sacrifice, and people have to sacrifice their lives. No, well, you sacrifice your life first. Let's see you do it. They're not yeah, going to do it. Yeah, send Hunter in there in the front line. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to do it. You go do yeah. it out with uh, Putin. No, you won't do it. So it, none of it makes any sense. It's just the way it is. The world's evil, and... We're going to see more and more evil. But we have an interesting clip talking about evil. Let's play this clip by Hinkle. Okay. That if the word that I received had not come from a man that I, first of all, love and respect with all my heart and has proved himself in the ministry for uh, many, many years and has raised up a great church in the heart of Los Angeles, California. Uh, John, I don't think I would have accepted this word from just anybody, but coming from you and knowing that God had given you that tremendous word some years ago about a hundred TV stations and seeing that word, you know, the Bible is very, very simple. It says there's one test of a true prophet. If his, if his word comes to pass, he's Amen. a prophet. If it doesn't, he's a false prophet. So uh, in a very real sense, you've You've stepped out and, and really put your, your whole ministry and name on the line, haven't you, John? Yes, I have, Paul, because, well, I haven't. I gave my life to God, and all of a sudden, I realize that He is using me now as He would use anybody else. Of course. I'm nothing special at all, anything but that. But the Lord Himself spoke, and when He speaks in that voice, you simply cannot doubt it. It's right. just beyond that. For those that may have just tuned by, one more time before we get right into the heart of it now, what was the word of the Lord that came to you a few days ago? A few weeks ago a few now. weeks ago. He said, uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, and this great loud voice, like a trumpet, and it said, I heard it inside and out clearly, very clearly, and he said, on Thursday, June the 9th, I will rip the evil out of this world. Well, the first thing I thought about, Paul, as I was sitting there just shaking in bed, and I, amazingly, it didn't wake up Bonnie, but I thought it would. And, uh, but as I sat there, the first thought was, wait a minute, Lord, your word says that nobody's going to know the hour of the second coming. Mm -hmm. And again the voice spoke clearly and said, I didn't say second coming. Mm. And then I knew it was going to be another great event, without any doubt. And when, I, when he spoke of the word rip, 
I thought, well, that's pretty heavy for the Lord to speak, this rip the evil. Rip the evil. And in that moment, I saw this dark veil, this dark uh, covering over the whole world, kind of a charcoal gray. And at the moment I saw it, I saw it rip right up the middle. And then he said, have you forgotten that I ripped the veil of the temple from top to bottom on the day? <laughs> Very interesting. Is that the end of the clip? Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't, did he? No. And, you know, and what, that was, that was, of course, the first voice you heard was, the late Paul Crouch, and the second one was John Hinkle, the pastor of Christ Church in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, and, and do, do you remember when that happened? Were you around and seeing that? I remember hearing about it vaguely, yeah. Okay, because, you know, that was, oh, what year was that? I think that was in 94. You know, it was actually around the same time it was even earlier, I think, than, um, oh, what's his name? Harold Camping and his stuff. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, the interesting thing is later, Pat Robertson, when the, when the date came and, and, and it seems like nothing happened, Pat Robertson said that, well, you know, it wasn't on, on what did he say, June 9th? It, it wasn't on that date, but... It, it, it was in some place on the planet where there was this earthquake, just a six pointer just off the coast of South America. <laughs> like that, like he was trying to give this guy some sort of out. <laughs> and, and Paul Kraut said to the guy, well, you know, we, uh, uh, we shouldn't try to squeeze this into, into our eschatology because it really doesn't fit. And then they did, before then, then they did an entire praise-a-thon using this false prophecy as a reason for getting in the final harvest before June. <gasps> oh, yes. Oh, they carried on the whole praise-a-thon to hurry up. You don't have any time left. We've only got until June 9th. We don't exactly know what this means, but uh, uh, because we, you know, it, it could be the rapture. Well, why on the rapture would, would God be ripping out evil? Wow. <laughs> like a counter rapture to me and and so the whole thing was crazy and these two men died with no apology and then you know no nothing to even excuse there was no excuse for it and it's interesting how paul you know introduced the whole thing as um you know it, it introduced it all as a um as if it doesn't happen then he's a false prophet you, you know yeah, well, he he asked him to come back in a year to do another follow up. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did have they did. He was on praise the Lord, and then he was also on behind the scenes because at first he 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 had the he said he had the date right, but the year wrong. It was the following year, oh, not that. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, well, big mistake it's there. A lot like camping. Yeah, and the thing about about John Hinkle is he looks such a nice, conservative, clean-cut, well-groomed, older gentleman. So he looks very grandfatherly, and you want to believe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, it 
he, he might not be one of these intentional deceivers. The, the Bible talks about people who deceive, yeah. but then also those who are deceived yeah. and deceive others. Yeah. And, and so I think, because I don't even think the guy was necessarily even charismatic, which, which was another reason that Paul was say, think, putting so much uh, clarity to it or, you know, giving it credibility because this guy wasn't, you know, he wasn't like Todd Bentley or Rodney no, Howard Brown. he was very you know? straight and conservative looking. Right. Yeah. And, and so I don't know if it was something he ate. Something. <laughs> I, I His, uh, sometimes people have dreams yeah. and they don't realize it's a dream or something. Uh, old age, I don't know what, but and then they just run with it like it's real. And yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I, he didn't seem to me like he was one of those top-notch deceivers. He, he just he seemed sincere in his ramblings. Well, well, yeah, well, but except that he did prophesy to Paul, as he said, that, do you say it was him or was it, or no, it was Oral Roberts who prophesied 100 stations unless this guy did the same thing. Well, he prophesied and, to Paul because Oral didn't own TV stations. Yeah, but no, but I mean, Oral prophesied it to Paul. Oh, I don't know. No, I think. I might have taken it from the other guy. Oh, I think it's, I think Hinkle. I think he was, I think he was saying that Hinkle told them about the hundred stations. Yeah, but I've heard him also say that Oral did. Yeah, and the thing well, is, yeah. well, no, I know that because I, I, I think I even have it in my book. <laughs> but anyhow, the, the thing is, is that they had, well, well they did have a hundred stations, but they had, they had over a thousand stations and uh and then once they really went satellite they really didn't need as many studios no. and stations anymore no. after that but that's but you know it's just that you know the we, we were calling this show what the gnostic gospel past present and future yeah and, and you know i think that there's just so many people who are looking for this extra biblical revelation and and when others are saying, well, I heard this from God and I heard that from God, and then they make others look, oh, well, you don't say that you hear from God, so you mustn't be in the same camp or, you know, the same class as these guys. <laughs> you know, and so maybe they feel inferior, and so they got to they gotta come up with something. Well, that's true, because when, and I'm, we'll play that clip shortly of Hen and, and, uh, Sharona, because they're always trying to one up each other. And then, of course, when they finally get on TBN, that was the big thing is when they finally got on TBN, that was their time to shine and then to show off their gift. And the pride really comes out then. I've made my mark now and I'm going to be noticed. So, yeah, it's all about being seen, being noticed, and, and you want to be somebody, which we're not supposed to try to be anybody because we know where we came from. And uh, there's only one person that's a that's a somebody, and his name is <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, just I think since we're talking about Gnosticism, we might want to clarify it. I did look up on a history webpage that, you know, the the background on actual Gnosticism from, I'll just read you a little portion of it. It's from uh, early Christian, early Christian history dot info. And it says that Gnosticism 
was merely the last incarnation of a very old belief system going back to at least the 6th century BC, and probably much even further than that. And that belief was known as Orpheanism, after the Greek hero Orpheus. Orpheus was the son of Zeus, and he was an incredibly skilled musician. And I found that very interesting. He was a musician. And um, so anyway, he said that he went to visit his dead wife and everything across the River Styx or whatever in the underworld. And um, and it says, this is, let's see, unfortunately, the majority of his beliefs are lost because, you know, Christians eradicated that history or whatever. But it says that they, that the early Gnostics used music, songs, and poetry and oral tradition to convey their teachings. They appear to have depended on songs thereafter. Wow. And uh, it's interesting that they would use songs because yeah. that seems to have come back around again. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so, so basically, they believed in a dual nature, that man had an evil side and a good side, and that these two natures warred against each other, and you had to, you know, get more in touch with your good side than your evil side. You wanted the good to eat, to, to win out. And, um, you know, and then you had to go into, like, altered states of consciousness to try to release the light. It was this whole thing that everybody has the light of the soul. And it's interesting that term, the light of the soul, because you know what it made me think of is um, is the Quaker church. Yeah. You know, George Fox, he believed in the inner light is what he called it. And that every every man who has been created has this inner light, this God consciousness within that they just need to tap into. And, um, you know, and these kinds of things, is interesting to me because that really comes out in with with this current pulp and everything that you know that we have to we're, we're all of you know this whole brotherhood of all of humanity and every one of us you know according to Roman Catholics they have this divine spark and um, so there's there's certain things that just permeate you know, the past, present, and future with Gnosticism. And the music thing is one. This light is another. And uh, and really this idea of this universal universalism and this universal spirit. And you see that coming out in, in all these these people who have this extra biblical revelation. I, I found it very interesting that starting with Benny Hinn back in the day, and then it's still being done today, they start screaming fire over yeah, everybody. Yeah. So this is this is all a false light because really, you know, the devil and his and his messengers disguise themselves as angels of light, and uh, and so that's what we see. And and they they get there. Another thing, all of these ones have in common is getting into altered states of consciousness, and then they can call it, you know, transcendental meditation. And today, so many of them are pushing on this so-called contemplative prayer, or they'll call it uh, soaking yeah. in the presence, yeah. or uh, they'll call it carpet time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just repackaging the same old thing yeah. in different ways. Yeah, and also, I, I, I actually did a little 
two clips, but because we were going to talk about the downloads. Also, the downloads, now that's a big one, is to get the downloads from God. But yeah. it's also, if you, if you search this term, you see that these new age people are saying the same thing about getting the downloads, like you're saying, to get the light. And, mm -hmm. and, to and, and the download is this extra biblical revelation. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, if you watch Sid Roth or you watch Jim Baker, they, he'll, they'll always ask their guests, well, what is the Lord telling you today? Yeah. <laughs> what is the Lord showing you today? Yeah. You know, and, and they rarely crack open the Bible, but they want to know, oh, so God's going to, God's doing a new thing. Yeah. And all of this kind of stuff in, and they're always going out there into the netherworld somewhere to find out what God is doing instead of cracking open their Bible. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's play this clip about Donald Trump gets downloads. Isn't it dumb to have a president who can talk to the people with a machine in all everybody's pocket or purse, right? It's so awesome. He's not dumb. No. God spoke to me in the night and said, I gave the president a gift yes. of wisdom. It's not of himself, but I've given him wisdom. Do you believe that? I absolutely you, you, believe you've that. known the president. You've been with him. You you know saw, but you, you <clears throat> here's the thing. Most politicians tell you what you want to hear. You said the other day that you believe he's a, man, a true shooter, and there's reasons why. Do you remember? Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. <clears throat> First of all, if you have wisdom, it comes with discernment. Mm. We know discernment's a gift of God. Yes. So this man has had discernments since he was born, and he's honed that skill. When I've been in his presence, it's as if his eyes look right through me. And he's studying your eyes, your face. And some people think he's impetulant because he steps ahead. So he gets bored with the idle talk that, has, that is nonsense. And that's why he'll tweet and say something like, and, and put names on people. Yeah. <laughs> which I sort of like. A lot of names have been put on me. Yeah. But but he, he gets out front because he doesn't want to waste his time. Right. And that's his management. He discerns. And so your question was, you know, does Donald Trump really think things through and how is it moving? I believe he receives downloads that now he's beginning to understand come from God. There was an awakening that happened in him in this election. And this humbling that happened to him, right after I prophesied on your program mm -hmm. in October mm -hmm. that what would happen on election night, then all of that stuff came out, that garbage. And most of the body of Christ was shaking, and we know we had some humbly moments. I rejoiced because the prophecy I gave him in Super Tuesday in Ohio as he was getting on his, his plane after we were done with the rally, I said, Mr. President, the Lord says that if you will humble yourself before God, you're going to be the next president. You already won the nomination. Now, remember, you hadn't won it yet. I said, that's a given. It's the next step. If you humble yourself before God, not man, mm -hmm. before God. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for that humbling event. And I kept saying, when's it coming? When's it coming? And when that came, I grabbed my wife and I rejoiced. I said, God's humbling him now. Nobody can speak peace into him. <laughs> I, I recognize Jim and his wife, Lori, but who is that talking? I don't know who that was. I didn't get his name. I never saw the guy. I never heard of him. And I, uh, okay. I should have grabbed his name, but. Yeah, but okay, so Trump's getting the downloads. 
yeah, he was getting the down. Yeah, well, I I wonder what kind of a download he got when he was uh, over there with Moon. <laughs> right, what download did he get? Th these people are so deceived because they. they now, I liked Trump. Uh, during uh, I liked him as a president until I found out I didn't know about the abortion thing, the things that were going on with the experiments on the babies. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't um, know about this hookup with Moon. Then when, when I found these things out, it, it totally uh, turned me off. And so this is how deceived people are. They're still talking about him like he's some kind of a god figure. And so I don't know how much of a download you got from God when you appear with a woman who thinks she is God, who belongs in a mental mm -hmm. institution, and you're praising her. So, Yeah, well... That's pathetic. But, you know, again, to listen to Jim Baker, he doesn't question anything that any of his guests say. They may come on and contradict totally the last guest that was there. And it doesn't matter because it's all for show. Yeah. You know, if they don't have to all agree with each other, they will they will cause one big confusion. This is part of the problem with um, where we are today with the faith being just it's it's like. All these different churches, they ha they cast their own vision, so they're making it up as they go, and they're getting, you know, extra biblical revelation. You got people like Ed Young, you know, up there saying, if you don't, you know, catch on to my vision, get out of here. And a lot of these guys are are saying that because they they aren't following the Great Commission, <laughs> they don't care what the Bible has to say anymore. They're all full of themselves, and they're raising up disciples after themselves, just as what was you know, warned against in scripture. So that's where we are. They, anyone watching on can't get a good read on what Christianity is if they aren't familiar with it. You know, a lot of people who might be watching from a Buddhist country, you know, like, you know, yeah. in Asia somewhere, or they're watching from India in a Hindu country. They hear, they watch all this kind of stuff. What do you think they come together to, I mean, how do they bring it all together to make it make any sense when it's all contradictory and, and even obscene and ridiculous. And then when they hear the, the, the pure gospel, they think it somehow um, goes along with all that other stuff, wow. you know, when it, when it doesn't. And so they're thinking, well, I'll never figure this out when the gospel is pretty simple, yeah, but simple, you've got yeah. everybody adding to it and taking away from it, which is really spiritually dangerous thing to do. It's in the old Testament has a warning about, you know, not adding to God's words or you're, you know, and, and in of course the book of revelation, don't add to this or take away from, and it may just apply to revelation, but I believe he says it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I say all the way along, you don't add to or take away from God's word, no matter what book of the Bible it is. Yeah, okay. exactly. And, exactly. And when they do that, they're under his judgment. They're under divine judgment. And we are in the times of confusion today because of these things. Because nobody who hasn't heard the gospel before can get a clear understanding of it when it's convoluted by all these complications. It's very, very, it, it would be, I think that was a very good point that you made about people in foreign countries watching with so-called Christian television. And is this, 
is this Christianity? And then it some it resembles Buddhism and New Age thought. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, it would be confusing for them unless, like what I did when I was having my conversion experience before I, I gave my life to the Lord, I started reading the Bible for myself because I was going to disprove it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's a funny thing how that word gets a hold of you. <laughs> And we had such easy access to Bibles in some in some of those countries like China or India. It, they might not have that easy access yeah. to a Bible. Yeah, maybe not. Or if they have the internet, I don't know what kind of internet they have. I don't know what they can have access to. But it, it is it's it's difficult. There's so much confusion. But who's the author of confusion? I wanted to ask you, Jackie. When I played that first clip of Hinkle, did you hear it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, good. I can. Yeah, it's we're in some strange times, and I, I think it's just we have to stay close to God, and stay in His Word, and try to have fellowship with like-minded believers. It's hard to even find too many people that are like-minded out there because there's so it, there's so much corruption. They've done a very good job. Let me say the devil's done a good job corrupting the so-called church. Yeah. Well, and that's why Jesus said, and when the Son of Man returns, will he even find faith on the earth? Yeah. <laughs> well, there'll be, a, there'll be a faithful few. There'll be a faithful yeah, few. Yeah, he will. He will. He even says so. <laughs> but it's gonna, they're, they're going to be hard to find, and that's why I've always used the term scattered sheep. Because I just think that we're, and we were actually, even though we're supposed to gather, we're also supposed to be scattered. He spread us out so that we could, uh, you know, give the gospel wherever we go. Yeah. And, uh, and also to be more dependent on the Lord instead of being mm-hmm. dependent on the pastor for, for everything, which no man can take on all that responsibility anyway uh, of trying to be the God figure. So I think, especially in these days, the Lord scattered us so we could be more dependent on him. Yeah. Instead yeah. of Yeah, a lot the, of people really had to learn that over the past couple of years exactly. when they were not able to gather. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the lessons that we came out with. And you might not be able to go to the building. So are you going to be able to stand if you can't go to the building. <laughs> well, yeah, that's just it. Because, you you know, you, you have to feed yourself the word. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody is pushing it out for you. Yeah. But it, it's, in that sense, it was good to help. Sure. Me, yeah. To help make us stronger. stronger. And uh, I could see that danger, though, a long time ago, that it was dangerous because I, personally knew many pastors and so many of them couldn't handle the responsibility of people just putting so much pressure on them to be everything to them. And yeah. uh, it's not possible. You see a lot of these pastors breaking down or they're committing suicide or whatever because they can't handle it. Boy, that's really hurtful to see those things happen. I, you know, there has been a couple of suicides these past couple of years with, with pastors and you just think, 
wow, they seem to have everything going, you know, from the outside looking in. So, but you know what? I, I think that, I think certainly people who are in the spotlight as far as voices of, of, of you know, of the Lord's really, is, they're the ones that are going to be attacked the hardest. And, uh, you know, you hear all the different marriages breaking yeah, up. Yeah, lots their- of marriages breaking up, yeah. Yeah, because they're just going to be hit harder. There's just, the, you know, the devil has more to win by destroying, if they can get it, one voice that goes out to hundreds or even in some cases thousands of people, then they can get to all of those through that one person. And so they'll double down on that one. Yeah. Yeah, we see that a lot. You see a lot of the families breaking up because the, the when they get a taste of the power, some people can't handle that power of the platform ministry. And Or when... I'm sorry, I talked over you. Um, so they neglect their families. Yes, and also... There's a lot of women who are, who have crushes on the man up there, yeah, you know. Yeah, that happens a and, lot. You know, they, they, they have this groupy idea that, you know, <laughs> and, and maybe because they might compare them to the pastor to their husband. And, well, my husband doesn't know the Bible like that. And look at him, that lucky wife. I want to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that does go on a lot. Yeah, p- women seem to gravitate toward musicians or uh pastors or evangelists yeah that does happen (laughs) a lot but then again you have to be strong and you always have to remember where you came from because it's such a trap and i think it's such a tragedy We, we when you were talking about the vision casting there was that pastor um I think his name is Tavner. His first name's Tavner. Tavner, I can't remember his last name, but we had talked about him a, f- a few weeks ago. And he was getting a divorce from his wife, and he was with his some girl and his worship team. They were kissing in a cafe, and they were both separated. They weren't actually. I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't think the divorce went through yet, but he was supposed to take time off from his church and then he went back to the church and he was saying, look, I'm, I'm God called me to be the pastor here and I'm going to be the pastor and we're still going to do our vision casting for the year. (laughs) Mm. I thought, man, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And there's a lot of men that get in that position that, you know, they believe their own press clippings. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and and that's really where this little narcissism seems to be on the upswing a lot of narcissists who just you know i know we can name a lot of them we can name let's play this and we're talking about narcissism this was the ultimate narcissism here this clip (laughs) with hen and yeah and mark sharona and sharona i did not see his face i won't even begin to tell you what i think he may even look like all i can tell you is Everything in me knew it was the prophet Elijah. He was turning water into blood. He was just as Moses in the Old Covenant. He he had in his hand this massive rod that was about this high. The top of it was thick. The bottom of it was thin. And he was just turning rivers and streams into blood. As, as I came to him, 
he said to me, he said, take this. And I took it. I took the rod from him. And there appeared out of nowhere our dear friend Oral Roberts, who may be listening tonight. I'm almost sure he is. Oral looked just like he looks now. He looks just like he looks. And in my dream, I said, Doc, look what Elijah gave me. As I shook myself out of the dream, which really I believe was more of a vision of the night more than a dream because it became so a part of my experience. It became so a part of a... Uh, it was so tangible. It was so real. As I came out, the presence of the Lord was still in the bedroom. Mark Serona, I want to hear the interpretation, and I believe what you will say can, can very well change my, my future. The essence of Elijah is the spirit of Elijah that God promised to pour out on the last day company of seasoned ministry that will literally fulfill everything that God promised under the old covenant that would come into the new covenant of a prophetic order that would change God, the course the of the I feel the anointing here while, while he's talking. I'm sorry. And the reason you did not see the face of Elijah is because it is the spirit of Elijah and the essence of the Elijah ministry. Oral Roberts, in seeming a little bit older, represents a phase you have gone through in your ministry that has come to a completion and yet is only a phase. And when Elijah invited you to take that massive rod, and God is going to bring us into a new age of the miraculous and a new age of the spirit. And when Elijah handed you the rod, God was putting in your hand a new level of apostolic authority for the nations. And when Oral was transformed into a young man, God is going to take you to a place of the renewal of your ministry as he promised you when he first called you. You are entering into a new age of the miraculous. There will be a sharpening for the spirit of Elijah rests on you and you will begin to move in a laser sharp accuracy in word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. You have allowed and the fact that he was singing, what you don't realize is that when you lead massive crowds of people in worship you have great choirs you have great singers but Benny Hinn when you sing there is an electrifying presence of the Holy Spirit that literally unlocks glory and releases it into an atmosphere you know I I can tell you I'm recognizing that Mark is really a prophet Jan told me that months ago Mark God has put on you an anointing that's quite unusual <laughs> So, a company of prophets, I mean, he, he lied about what scripture says about the coming of Elijah. It doesn't say there'll be a company of, of Elijah prophets, but that specifically, of course, he's got Benny Hinn as being the fulfillment. And, um, and you know, and still, even after that, Christian television, I confronted one Christian television network cornerstone in Pittsburgh about it and you know, about having Benny Hinn, you know, selling him airtime and they tried to argue and I told them, well he's he he believes he's Elijah the prophet and Mark Sharona confirmed it to him and and they go, Well, 
you know, I don't know about that. I said, well, do you believe he's Elijah? They go, no. I said, but he believes he's Elijah and you're just going to keep letting him on your network. It's, um, you know, it's really sad, but that was, that was 10 years ago or so that I confronted them. And because they used to have, you know, they used to have pretty good shows on and they would keep the heresy out of there. And then when the founder died, like a week or the week that I was there, he stood me up and then he, well, I hate to connect that, but he, he died the week he stood me up because he was supposed to interview me and he he left for Canada and then he died in Canada. Oh. And then after that, they let all kinds of stuff in and you can only see it really in the Pittsburgh area. And I left there and I looked it up the other day and found now they sell airtime to Sid Roth and every other horrible, yeah. awful thing. They really went downhill after that. Yeah, that's what happens when they start compromising. We we had a situation like that at our local television station, Christian Television Network, CTN. When they first started out, I think it was 1979. I came to Florida in 81. And it was a nice little station, nice folksy people. We'd go down there for meetings, drive down to the station. and Real good fellowship. And they seemed so sincere. And then they get so wrapped up like you said, at that time, they were buying up all these low-power stations, and they just they had to feed the monster. So then they start compromising right. a little bit here and a little bit there. And then it, they started out not doing those telethons where they were lying to people about seed faith and that kind of thing. And then they started doing it and having mm-hmm. people like Richard Roberts and Mike Murdoch and Paula White. and Oh, it was terrible. It really was. And now it's just, that's what it is. It, they're all the same. If you you can turn on any network and you see the same people because they're the only ones that can afford the airtime. Because the airtime is very very expensive. Oh, I was shocked when Cornerstone, you know, had their month. Their their not monthly, but their annual or semi annual. They don't call it a praise a thon. Raise a thon, I think, is what they called it. <laughs> and they brought and they brought in um, uh, Murdoch. Yeah. You know, the yeah. like, so worst. Mike Murdoch, he's almost as bad, or just as bad, maybe worse than John Avanzini. Oh, he's worse than John Avanzini. (laughs) He's pretty bad, but that's how desperate they were for money. Well, he gets results. Yeah, he got results. Uh, All right, look at him now. I mean, he's he's a pathetic looking man. He really looks. You can almost feel sorry for him. He just he looks sick and. I think to myself when I look at him, God, can this man repent? Can he, can he, does he have a chance to tell the body of Christ how sorry he is? But no, he just keeps going on and on with his books and lying to people about God and, and I'm going to tell you how to get money. And, uh, he's, and to look at him, he has to look at himself and think I'm in bad shape. Is God trying to get a message to me? (laughs) I know, but. Anyway, you know, that the thing with, you know, Mark Sharona, well, he came up recently doing these conferences again with all the latest NAR guys. And, uh, you know, he's out there with um, Cindy Jacobs. And, you know, he, of course, you know, he, he's been with her from the start, you know. There. But but it, it's amazing that even though we have the Internet and people can look look and vet people they can look this up and see where what they've taught and all of that 
they just, they, there must be an overwhelming amount of people that just don't care what the Bible says and they're going to follow who sounds good to them. And they, it wouldn't even occur to them to find out if these guys, if, if what they say stacks up to scripture. Oh, you're so right. I think that that's a great point because you could see it. They don't look, they don't itching ears. It's itching ears. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us that we're going to be great. Tell us we're going to have the seven mountains. Tell us that our vision, we're going to be world shakers and history makers and the world's falling apart right before your eyes. Yeah. Well, well somebody has to try to wake them up because they're just asleep well i I um, feel compelled i do i sometimes i think i'd like to just ride off into the sunset but yet i feel compelled to reach out to people and and to try to do my part well, we don't want them lost. You know, again, yeah. you go back to Jude, you need to snatch them out of the fire. And here they're going to places where they're screaming fire all over them and they're caught in the fire. <laughs> you know, which is ironic. Yeah. Well, as long as God gives us the strength to be able to carry on and, and the other people that are out there anyway, we did mention and it is Tavner Smith and he really does need our prayers. I I couldn't believe the deception of this poor man. Everything's falling apart, around, uh, falling apart around him, and he's still talking about his vision. We have to, we have to fulfill my vision, and uh, it's such a dangerous place to be. Yeah, you don't want these people to wind up on the gospel junk heap. There's plenty of them now. We can, we, we're watching the whole devastation of the Hillsong ministry now with this documentary getting ready to come out and with this trial that Brian Houston is going to be on trial for this the, the sexual abuse of his father that they claim that he was covering up and also yeah. uh, the well Hill, he did <laughs> the Hillsong we- yeah he was covering up but the Hillsong channel disappeared from TBN's network I don't know. If, so has it, has it gone back to the church channel? It's not or the church it not channel. It's, T, it's TBN something else. They okay. renamed it, but it's under the TBN label now. But Hillsong uh, is not there. Well, it started out as the church channel. Yeah. And then after Jan died, then then uh, Matt turned it over to. Yeah, he must have leased it to them or they were paying him. Because it was almost 24 hours a day, Hillsong. Right. And that's the way it was with the church channel. Yeah. But I think the church channel was this, you know, thing that it was probably just more than he could handle, uh, you know. Well, you don't produce. need two satellite networks. You can't program yeah. them. They're the same people on over and over again anyway in every network. So it's almost impossible to program the thing. Yeah, yeah. How many, how many times are you going to watch Joyce Meyer in a day? And and uh, the rest of them that are on there, Joel Osteen and Stephen Furtick. And I couldn't believe it looking at Stephen Furtick's YouTube channel. He gets like a million views or something when he, I'm like, who oh. listens to this guy? <laughs> well, I just showed you the condition of people's hearts oh, in these last unbelievable. days. Unbelievable. 
and, and I don't even see how he can tickle your ears. He, he, like, what what kind of ears do you have that would want that? You know, There's nothing appealing about the guy. At least Joel Osteen, he's got some personality. He's appealing. Yeah, whether yeah, exactly. you like him or not. Right, right. But Stephen, in fact, Ferber, I, I, no. was, I was I years ago. I was interviewed by the New Yorker magazine over Joel Osteen, and she and I remember the lady interviewing me said, "Well." You don't like Joel Osteen? How could you not like Joel Osteen? And I said, oh, I love Joel Osteen. He's the most positive, wonderful guy you ever saw. Too bad he's, he's totally unbiblical. Yeah. <laughs> I said, because what's not to like? Yeah. Except, except that he doesn't, he doesn't preach, he doesn't rightly divide the word. No. You know? But, but he, is, he is a hard guy to hate. I mean, it's easy to look at Ken Copeland and say, ooh, I do not like that guy. But you can't say that looking at the, at somebody with that sweet baby face like Joel Osteen. Yeah, well, folksy manner and, yeah. So that's it. Some people just have charisma. They just have it. They call it, right. the, it, they call it the it factor. Some people don't have it. <laughs> yeah, and you can have it and you can you can you know, use Jesus' name all the time, all you want, and it's going to attract a lot of people, even if Jesus would spew them, that him and them out of his mouth. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, you mentioned Joyce Meyer. I was thinking about her and Joel Osteen this morning. I don't, I'm not even sure why. But, oh, I know. I saw this scripture, and it just made me think of them. It, and it's in Luke six twenty four. It says, but woe to you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. And I just thought of them because I was looking up, up the word consolation. You ought to try looking that up. And, and it's unbelievable all of the promises to give that, that, that God gives his people that he will be their consolation. One of them, one of the passages says his, he's our consolation and our salvation. And I'm thinking, gosh, you know, we know whatever we're going through in the future, He's going to console us. He's going to be our consolation. And I was all excited about thinking of that word. And I looked it up and then I found this one. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. In, in you know, in, on the other side of all of us getting this consolation, he tells you, he tells the rich, and I'm sure it's the bad rich people, that you've already gotten your consolation. Yeah. You know, because, because there's some people they don't need anything from the Lord. It, it, again, this passage just reminds me of, you know, of the letters to the churches in Revelation and the, and the church of Laodicea that you, you say you're rich and you need nothing. And, and, you know, that, and so the answer to that is, yeah, that's your consolation. You're rich and no. you need nothing. Yeah. Well, it's not much and, of a consolation. No. No, and we were talking about Jim Baker before I happened to tune him in yesterday because he was he went on a vacation. He said that some people wanted he lives in Branson, that area, Branson, Missouri, that area there, and he said that since he had his stroke and everything, somebody wanted to let him go to the beach in Florida for two weeks, and they were going to lend him their condo. So... They said, it, oh, they said it was going to be very good for me. I was going to get to walk on the beach. And so they they got on a plane. Like, you know, who gets on a plane these days? But anyway, they got on a plane. They got COVID. And 
then when they got to the uh, getting off the airplane, of course, there's nobody to help you anymore. You can't get a skycap or anybody like that. So there's Lori. She's saying she's trying to get the luggage, and and then she has to go for the walk to the rent a car, which is a mile away or something. And they, she's got to load up the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! And you think that okay, the people that are hosting them they couldn't find one christian in the whole of the orlando area or wherever they were they were mm. in orlando there's no water there but where they couldn't find anybody to assist jim baker so he says that Lori said we were so sick we couldn't think about getting on the plane again and trying to get the luggage together and, and pack up the car and everything we had to get mondo to come from branson we had to fly him over there to help uh. us I'm thinking, you mean there wasn't one Christian in the whole area that could have assisted them? That, no, that was now, pitiful. How long were they going to be on this boat? They weren't on a boat. They were in, renting uh, a condo. Somebody oh, was, was giving condo. them a condo on the beach so he could take oh, walks I on the see. beach and he could recover. And it was supposed oh, to be for I two see. weeks. Okay. Well, you know, I could probably pack in two weeks with one uh, carry-on. Well, yeah, I don't know how much. Of course, some women, they don't have to take everything. But, yeah, they had too much. And she, they, you're older then. You don't want to be picking up luggage and loading cars. But I, I was amazed. I thought the uh, the people that were hosting them anyway, couldn't they find one, call a church and say, could somebody go and help Jim and Lori Baker? <laughs> no, they had to fly the guy out from Branson. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. Oh. Well, I, I, you know, I can't feel sorry for them. I just think, you know, they, it, it's one of those, you know, it, are, are those two, because I know some people would say, well, they're going straight to hell. Well, I don't know. I can't say that. No, because, I can't say that. You see, are they just, you know, challenged in their, in their thinking uh, or are they just totally without discernment or they think that it pleases the Lord to, be nice to everybody, whether they're wolves or, you know, whatever, and to just go along with whatever they say, even when it contradicts the Bible. It, um, it because that's that's the idea if you, it, that goes around that you've got to be nice to these heretics because you know Jesus wouldn't be mean to those heretics <laughs> when, of course, you know we know. What he called those Pharisees, you whited yeah, sepulchers. We know, we know. But being in being in the Word of Faith movement myself for fifteen years, that's the that's what they like you to believe. That's the common thought in that arena is you have to have love, and Jesus was yeah. all about love. And so when you yeah. when I would look at those scriptures with Jesus telling people off, and overturning the tables and all that. I'm thinking, well, sure. you know, Jesus sure called people out. So uh, what are we doing? Like, why are we cozying up to Catholics? Why are we, uh, I never felt cozy with Catholics. I always questioned that, but they, the, the charismatics, that whole wing, the lefties, they like to cozy up to everybody. Let's be nice to everybody. After all, they talk about Jesus. So they must, yeah. they must love the Lord. So I, I don't know. Uh, I, I would ask Jim Baker that. I would ask him some questions if I ever had the chance to talk to him. He probably never talked to me. But I know one thing. One thing. I did make a video, and they had done a telethon, and it was so awful. 
they went out of town and they let their poor daughter, Tammy Sue, host this oh, yeah. telethon with this Phil Cameron character. And they did that whole seed face. Oh, it was horrible. And, mm. and I made a video and I, I said to Tammy Sue, remember what happened to your mother and father because of this. And why are, mm. why are you now you're doing this? They got you doing it. And so I, I titled it, I think, Jim Baker, Back to Selling Miracles. Well, I don't think they ever did another telethon after that like that. So apparently mm. somebody watched it. Well, I don't know if it was me or maybe somebody else told them, but I never saw another telethon like that again. Was that the one where she sang a Bee Gees song and threw some Christian lyrics in it, like Staying Alive or one of those, one of those songs? It was it was funny back in the time at the time when that happened because it was so bad. No, it was um, it was really bad, and and that family really went through it, especially those children. I know. They, I don't think they've ever been the same. Really, what happened to their son went into universalism. And, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. So. Ugh. Yeah, and then they then they adopted a whole lot of uh, Hispanic they children. They adopted most of those kids are working at the network with them now. The one girl yeah. kind of manages the whole thing, and yeah, a couple of them work there. Yeah, them. I've seen them. Yeah. Well, I mean that's good that they did that. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, because the kids seem they're hardworking and they seem like they yeah. turned out okay. And Tammy yeah. Sue is there too, working there now too. But I yeah. thought, see we can reach out to some of these people through uh, YouTube and through this program. Hopefully some, you never know who's listening. You just never know. And you hope that they can see the light and maybe some of them can turn and uh, say, repent to the body of Christ eventually. Wouldn't that be wonderful if some of them could actually repent to the body of Christ? Well, don't hold your breath. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, you know, it's sad because, you know, sometimes they'll have guests on who are who are somewhat solid. In fact, yeah, I can't think their names right now because I have contacted some of them like, what are you doing? You know, you're 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 validating the, the bakers and they are really off. And, and then the next day they'll have on uh, people like Rick Joyner and say, you know, Rick Joyner was. um you know, Baker saw him as as his uh, covering. That's right. Baker, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a whole other story. But anyway, oh, but yeah. did you have the clip from the um, from the praise-a-thon that had uh, all the... Oh, yeah, I've got those. Yeah, uh, well, okay. play, as, as a matter of fact, let's play this one from Chuck Pierce the Lord. This is a year of supernatural revelation. He will awaken you in the night with a word. He will cause you to begin to hear his voice speaking to you. And what it's going to do is going to pierce between your soul and spirit and open you up. Now, this is what will happen in a year of seven. It causes a completion to occur. Things that need to be completed in your life will be completed this year. This year is linked with floods. In September, I began to prophesy. I said, you will begin to see flood after flood after flood this year. 
We're already seeing floods just overtake certain parts. I said record where every flood occurs worldwide because when those floods occur, what you'll see by beginning at the end of June through September, those are places where the Spirit of God will begin to move again. Now hear me. See, you see a place like Florida right now that's got fire just erupting. Start calling down. I'm going to go back there in June. We're going to call down rain. I want to say something. June is the pivotal month of this particular season we're in. You need to be watching. God's going to move. He's going to birth that which needs to come forth. <laughs> Yeah, and he was talking to Steve Hill, the late Steve Hill, who was the pastor of the, uh, or it was, no, he was a visiting evangelist, right, to Brownsville Assembly yeah, of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy laughter thing. And, and of course, um, the, you know, Chuck, Chuck Pierce, he, is that his name, Chuck Pierce? Chuck Pierce, yeah. Chuck Pierce was the hand-selected uh, hand-selected, hand uh, what would you call it? The director of C. Peter Wagner's ministry. Oh yeah, he was. He was his. He was to carry his mantle. Oh. And of course, uh, you know these guys. You can get them complicated, but it's it's interesting. You know, here he is talking about sevens because this was recorded in May two thousand seven. It was a praise the Lord program that Steve Hill hosted, and then he had on all these different guys who we now recognize. These, you know, what is this? Some, um, you know, fifteen years later, at let's see, yeah, about fifteen years. I'm trying to do my math, <laughs> and uh, and they're still at it, and they're still having these conferences and claiming that they're going to be, you know, um, bringing creating the new breed of the end times revival and the, and the new, um, oh, the, the great, the new great awakening and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so on that show, on that particular show, you know, he had him on and then he had Mike Fickle and he had Lou Engel and Lou Engel, he did these things called the call and he started the call back, uh, when he started it on, uh, 7707 oh. in Nashville. Oh. So so that was that was just a couple months after this thing was recorded. And then he did the 111111 because these numbers had to symbolize something. Yeah. And yeah. and so he did another <laughs> conference in 111111 and oh. and this is kind of stuff that is done by the occult this numerology yeah exactly stuff. yeah you're right yeah let's and play I... that clip from pierce and hill together okay these houses of prayer will be prophetic singers and musicians like like lamar was talking about earlier that are releasing the anointing and the authority of the holy spirit the shift of whole nations in the spirit will happen suddenly but it won't happen in a vacuum i'm talking about something different i'm talking about the full-time office of the prophetic singer and intercessor like david had and they go night and day well some years ago when i was in kansas city pastoring a church 
the Lord spoke by the audible voice of the Lord. I've received two audible voice of the Lord assignments in 30 years of pastoring, and they both come together. And it began uh, eight years ago in May 1999 when we began the House of Prayer, resigned the church I'd been pastoring for 16, 17 years. And this audible voice of the Lord, here I'm pastoring a church in Kansas City, here's what the Lord says audibly. He said, 24-hour prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. Jesus. I, I didn't even know what that meant. I said, 24 hours, uh, you know, our church was in a 21 days of fasting and prayer, and we wanted revival in Kansas City to break out, you know, that, that month. And the Lord doesn't talk about the revival breaking out that month. He doesn't say anything about it. He says, here's my answer. You will raise up 24-hour prayer in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. Now, it, Lord, I, you know, I don't want the answer to my 21 days of fasting and prayer to be a commitment to have to pray the rest of my life. But it was an audible voice of the Lord. And so, you know, we carried this in our heart and then... A few years later, the Lord spoke the second thing audibly, that this prayer ministry would be carried along by a spirit of intimacy and the revelation of the bride of Christ. I knew nothing about the bride of Christ. I never thought about it once in my life. So the two things I'm most focused on are two things I never thought about. 24-hour prayer in the spirit tabernacle of David, never thought of such a thing, doing it through the grid and the understanding of intimacy with God. At 2 o'clock in the morning, 200 of them are in the house of prayer crying out for revival in America and the nation. 4 o'clock in the morning, 200 of them. We have the night shift. We have the day shift. There's a 1,000 of them that are engaged in this. God is going to birth houses of prayer all over the nation, and most of them, if not all of them, are going to be led by singers and musicians that are captured by the love songs of heaven. Now, we give the prophetic decrees. We pray the promises. We do the repentance we do all the you know the five or six different expressions of the of the prayer movement but i tell you god is releasing the revelation of the church in right before the lord comes it's the spirit resting on the church as a bride and they're singing and crying out come jesus come to us in intimacy that was my yeah that was my fickle and and you know, again, what did he bring up? The music. There's going to be this, yeah. uh, and and it's all going to come from music, just like the original Gnostics. Yeah. All they did was through music. Now, here's a quote I have from, uh, oh, from Jules' old um, blog it was called Periscope, and this is quoting Bickle. He and this is an interview that he had um, when he was back with what was called the Kansas City Fellowship which was the first prophets that came around in the 80s that, you know, were under the authority of John Wimber. But anyway, this was an interview between Bickle and Bob Jones, the false prophet who ended up into all kinds of scandal. But anyway, yeah. Bickle, this, these all came from William Branham in the 40s, and they're carrying it forth, and they're carrying it to this day, and they're still trying to fulfill these things because this is what Brannon taught them. Yeah. Or, or they they learned not directly from him, but from his own teachings. And so Bickle said that the children, and this is why they go after the young people. He says, the children are the best of all generations that have ever been upon the face of the earth. Those elected seeds that will glorify Christ in the last days, they will move into things of the supernatural that no one has ever been in the Bible. They'll move in it consistently. They themselves will be that generation that's raised up 
to put death itself underneath their feet. A a church that has reached the full mature, the full maturity of the God man. (gasps) And, and then he goes on to say, again, this is from the same source, Bickle talking. It now appears that God is raising up a new breed of leadership to do the new thing. This is the, Oh, this new breed will be young and fresh with a pioneering spirit, whether chronologically young or old in age. Last year, I had the opportunity to meet several young men whom I believe represent this new breed of leadership. We invite you to learn more about Mike Bickle, a part of God's new breed for the 90s. I guess that was that was a promo. Wow. And so, and see, and this is the same thing coming from Rick Joyner, the false prophet Rick Joyner. He from... This was this was a promo on TV of him advertising one of his conferences, and he says, Joiner says there will be a special anointing released for mobilizing the army of the Lord, and this is also well you'll hear it. he says and you'll recognize it there will be an impartation of strategic vision to boldly march against the greatest strongholds of our time. This army of which Joel speaks is about to be revealed. They will take cities. They will burst through the enemy's strongholds and take houses. The very heavens and the earth are about to shake because of this great army. That time has come. Now, this, of course, is the Joel's army prophecy, which is taking, misinterpreting the second chapter of the book of Joel with, you know, with with the locust army. (laughs) So, which are demons, by the way. But anyway, um, so all of these things, they always have kept that as their uh, marching orders all this time. And they don't talk about it much anymore because no. so much of that was revealed back in the late 80s yeah. when John Limbert did take them to task over some of these things. And so, but, but yet you can, you can always see these things that that's in the back of their mind when they talk about, oh, this new Great Awakening happened. Oh, look at these young people. And see, because again, they go after these young people. So these young people, I remember thinking when I first read that or heard them say that, that 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 they were going to defy death. It made me think the wow. only time I saw that in scripture where humans will defy death is in the book of Revelation where those who take the mark when they're stung by these locusts, yeah. uh, that that they will seek death and it will flee from them. Yeah, right. They'll be gnawing on each other. Yeah, well, that's not a good thing to be looking forward to. But again, these things are really twisted. And even though they're trying to keep low key and not bring that stuff out, they still believe it. That still motivates the entire NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation, which, you know, again, see Peter Wagner, you know, pretty much started the whole thing. And then Chuck Pierce, Cindy Jacobs, and you know, and it's terrible when you do see people that you think are decent teachers sharing platforms with some of these guys. Oh, it's it's very true. You you can't you you have to take yourself out. You have to take yourself out, no matter what the cost. If if your ministry falls apart, let the ministry fall apart and then rebuild it the right way. But what's the sense of having a ministry when you're going to compromise? It doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't do anybody any good. Most of all you <laughs> and of course they get all ecumenical because <clears throat> let's see i had another thing um you know ihop with in kansas city which is mike bickle's organization his church 
they had this conference called the One Thing Conference a few years back, and they actually had, uh, you know, what they all, what, what did they call it? The One Thing, they included, oh, a Catholic track where they were um, merging with these guys from from the uh, the the, the Steubenville. Oh no! Uh, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So they had, you know, I can't believe it. And this is they they had this archbishop there. They had Scott Hahn, <gasps> and they had Ralph Martin. Oh no! And and the theme of that conference was called "Encountering Jesus and His Transforming Power Through Living Out the Sermon on the Mount." Wow. And, <laughs> And so it seemed that it's one of these guys who became a Catholic had been working with Bickle and uh, he ended up hosting the journey home, which is. Oh a, yeah. That guy. Yeah. That crazy show. <laughs> oh. That's one crazy show. That one. They get a lot of people on that show though. I'm surprised that, uh, that many people went, they went and converted to the Catholic church. Yikes. Please. I know. And but you see it always goes back to Rome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know this is uh let's see. This that guy Major was Keith Major is his name. He said being the direct being that the director, Mike Bickle, was a Catholic until he was twenty, oh. he hired Yeah, this is how he became a Catholic because he was listening to Bickle and Bickle said it, it, he says that Bickle highly recommended people to read Catholic mystics, particularly, <gasps> yes, particularly Bernard of Clairvaux, John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Teresa of Lisieux, Francis de Sales, Catherine of Siena. <gasps> he would just say that if you want to know more about contemplative prayer, these are the people who have mastered it. And uh, he says, but when you read it, spit out the bones. Oh, no, you don't spit out the bones. That stuff is yeah. creepy. It's so creepy. this is how this, so so this is what, can you imagine, because we're former Catholics, can you imagine bringing all that through into our new born-again life? Never, we, no way. Oh. Well, this is Bickle did, and this is why his, his, his sidekick guy ended up going back to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Because of Bickle's influence yeah, over well, this Stuff. That was big, though, at one time in Word of Faith, where they wanted you to start reading these mystics. I can't think of all their names right now, but say, oh, yeah, oh, this one Catholic mystic, oh, from the 15th century or something. Yeah, they wanted you to start looking into those things. And I was mm -hmm. like, no, no way. I know about the Catholic Church. I was a Catholic till I was 12. No way. I, I knew enough not to go back into that stuff, that's for sure. Let's see. Let's play. Let's let, let's play. Um, we will play Pearson Hill here. Production Center in Irving, Texas are Senior Pastor of Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, Jay Ong, Visionary and Co-Founder of the Call, Lou Engel, Ordained Minister and President of Glory of Zion International Ministries, Dr. Chuck Pierce, Director of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, Mike Bickle. Steve Hill. Well, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. 
from the Lord. Okay, those of you at home that are not raising your hand, you know, it, 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 a word from the Lord is God who created the heavens and the earth is going to speak to you. Hey, just remain, remain standing just for a minute more because I want to introduce our next guest. And uh, I have learned over the years to appreciate men and women of God who hear from the Lord. Because a lot of people say, thus saith the Lord, and they haven't heard from God. They just, you know, it's, it's just whatever, but it, it isn't God. Uh, my next guest, our next guest is a true man of God who has a word from the Lord to Today. Would you welcome Dr. Chuck Pierce? This is the year of seven. Everybody that is out there, no matter what calendar you're going by, it's the year of seven. All sevens are dear to the Lord. Now, sevens mean there any seven, the number seven biblically, means there's something going to be completed, but that word is also linked with movement. In other words, a new movement will begin by September of this year. Chuck, I want to tell you what I just saw, and then I'm going to let you just go with it. I just, I saw seed floating through the air, landing on soil that was so soft and so fertile and so, so ready for that seed to be planted. I'm talking about the hearts not only here, but hearts at home. There's people going, man. This is fresh. And so just go with it right now because you're, you're, you're speaking to fertile hearts. Well, see, what's happening with Take it, it sometimes we forget that we are in a window. All of a sudden, there's this window of opportunity that comes over us. And what you don't want to, you don't want to miss that window that God has for you. And in every year of seven, you want to really particularly look and say, what is God saying to me right now? But you can always hear what God's saying by looking at the time frame we're in, the cycles that are being completed in our lives. Boy. Yeah, so so whenever you see a seven, yeah. that, that's something special. <laughs> Oh, that's painful, it isn't it? And he's gotten really wacky. Chuck Pierce is really now he's he's just having these these strange. It just looks like you're watching a bunch of uh, witch doctors or something jumping around acting crazy as you find him on YouTube. Uh, and you know because this was like what 15 years ago. That was back in 2007, and that was recorded. And, and he has totally gone off the deep end totally he's he, he's not even coherent anymore well, that's what happens the, the, and the bible warns about it warns about it because you see what happened to nebuchadnezzar he was so full right? of himself and and that whole introduction on that video oh dr pierce and, and they're and they're all mm -hmm. so full of themselves as they're being introduced you can just see the pride oozing out of them and I was thinking that when I was watching that. It's like you're going Nebuchadnezzar. That's where you're going. You're going to wind up eating grass you're with long fingernails and scraggly hair. You're going to wind up a crazy person. And that, that certainly happened to that guy. And um, it's very sad. It's sad to watch. It really is. You just want to grab these people and come back. Well, and, and we see where it's going because... These are the ones that are the biggest on ecumenism. You know, the Lou Engel at the call, that's when he had, uh, he, he, he washed the feet he of the Catholic He was washing, feet. oh, please, oh, dear. Uh, You know, and they're kissing each other's feet and all no, of this kind no, of. No, I don't want anybody doing that to me, no. 
<laughs> so, and, and, and seriously, no. because I've said it many times, after the rapture, whatever calls itself Christian is going to merge in with the, with the mystery Babylon, the religious Babylon, and they're, you know, they're going to be that spiritual harlot that is said to farm in the last days. And that is a very bad future for them because, because God has taken away any, any real true light that they ever had. And so they can't discern light from dark anymore. No, it's very, Good from evil. They no, don't know. No, that's, that's a sad, sad thing. And you hope, uh, you just hope some of them can be rescued because nobody wants to be there really. I don't think anybody in their right mind would want to be away from the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, like you were saying, away from his consolation and yeah. him protecting uh, his protection. Who wants to be away from that? That's all we have. We, we've just been through some horrible past two years that we never thought we were going to go through. All of our lives have been totally disrupted. And so you hear these people talking like this, and like none of it happened. I know. You know, I was the reason I even looked up that word consolation was because somebody said it on the news and it had nothing to do with, with, with a spiritual consolation, but talking about all the people who are, you know, whose city in Kiev is being bombed and they have no consolation. And when they said that, I said, oh, that word. That's, and I didn't realize how many times it is in the Bible. It's always from the Lord giving us his consolation. A lot of it had to do with the end times and we're going to have his consolation. Oh, and I'm thinking, yeah. wow, what, what great promises that we'll have the Lord's consolation no matter what we're facing, except for those who have their consolation and what they can get in this world, you know. The rest of us are going to have his consolation. I think we're going to need it. Oh, more than ever. More than ever. Let's play a couple of clips. We can go over a little bit if you want. Um, let's play this clip with Che on and Ingle. I think this, oh. I think this is it. I say this all the time prior to the, the Brownsville revival. He said, I smell rain. I smell, and I want to tell you, I smell rain tonight. Our next guest is a dear friend. He pastors Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, California, but also just does stuff all over the world. He's known for just organizing the call, a great move of God in this nation. Would you welcome Pastor Cheon? You got you got a great event coming up seven seven oh seven. I want you to talk to the folks about that and also just what's on your heart, man, because I can see you're burning up right yeah, now. Yeah, the main thing I want to say is to call oh seven oh seven oh seven. This is going to be a historic, I mean, a historic gathering because and Lou Angle is going to be here. He's going to share more about it. Wow. next one we'll talk about i believe out of this generation Jesus. will come forth the greatest revival Jesus. and it is happening already yeah and the spirit of god is falling uh because chuck pierce was at our church in january he prophesied that in april something will start a fresh wind and then we'll, we'll hit again in june and sure enough in april the bomb dropped among our young people uh we had a a night 
to uh, gather three churches together to worship together on a Friday night. And uh, we've been doing this, but this time was extraordinary because the Holy Spirit fell on these kids. Normally they'll end around 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at the latest and go out to eat and fellowship like the kids do. But this time the Holy Spirit was on them and they were on the floor. The Spirit of God knocked them on the ground. They were drunk in the Spirit until 2 o'clock in the morning. They were laughing. They were manifesting. And, and the people who showed up that night were not Pentecostals, they were Presbyterians, they were Baptists, they were mainline denominational leaders who were saying, we're doing something wrong with our church and we need power. And they know about me as a Korean uh, who moves in uh, on a healing evangelist. And so they came, they wanted to receive an impartation. And so the place was full of uh, youth leaders, English ministers, and the spirit of God fell upon them and they were all over the floor. I mean, they were just on the floor, uh, manifesting, drunk, shaking. I mean, we're talking about Presbyterians who never experienced anything like this before. And, and God wants to use you. See, we're in the day of the saints. We're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I believe right now the Spirit of God is moving once again. It's the beginning of another wave. We've seen wave after wave hit us every, like it's like clockwork, every 10 years. Whether it's the 48 revival, whether it's the 58 charismatic renewal, whether it's the third wave with John Wimber in 82, 83, whether it's the Toronto Brownsville revival, and and here we are again, another wave is hitting. Sweet. And, and here we are. I believe that we're going to see another Jesus people movement yeah. out of that corporate gathering. But it's going to be with power. We're going to be moving in signs and wonders, and you can receive an impartation. Well, the co founder of the call and a great visionary, Lou Engel. So it was uh, a man gave me a word that in three years, uh, the call would die, and in three years, it would be resurrected. And suddenly, the Lord began to stir me. It's been three years. The Lord began to put on our hearts, Nashville, 7707. I pray, God, you've got to give us confirmation to this end. And a woman stood up in a gathering. I didn't know, you know, she knew nothing. And she says, on 7707, New recruits are coming, a great army for prayer on that day again. And on that day, a great stand will take place. And on that day, a great shift. Suddenly, divine confirmations begin to come. And we knew the Lord was saying, it's time for Joel 2 again. America is in a crisis. Blow the trumpet. So we begin to blow the trumpet in Nashville. What we didn't understand is that we are on the 40th anniversary from 1967 where the Berkeley Rebellion took place, the Summer of Love, which was the sexual revolution, and a whole movement of young people were just swept into San Francisco. Forty years are up, and we are reaping the fruit of that 40-year divorce from God in America. But seven is the number for marriage. We're saying we want to return to the Lord. We want to believe that on that day, we will no longer call him Baal. We will call him our husband. Yes. Yeah, that latter one, that was Lou Engle. Yeah. And, and of course, Cheon was one of his directors. He worked, actually, Cheon worked for him. But, you, you know, you catch what he was doing. He was trying to make the comparison to what they want to create yeah. over, what, over what God did in the 60s and 70s with the Jesus movement when he poured out his spirit on all of those hippies that threw away their pot and threw away their drugs and and got saved, and uh, that was a move of God. Yeah. And so, no, in fact, nobody saw that coming. Nobody no, prayed that no, in. No, no. 
that was just what God did. And yeah. so God did do something back then, <laughs> after all, you know. But it, it reminds me of that, that Sean Foyt, Foyt, or however you say his name, the, the red-haired, uh, uh, barefoot uh, musician who thinks he's the next Lonnie Frisbee, and he's out there, you know, singing about the Lion King. Or <laughs> when I have a video of him on my uh, YouTube channel, and he's now, and he's he has he has uh, he has sung for the president. He's been all yeah. over the place. Um, and again, it's back to that music. It's lulling them with that music. It keeps coming back to music. It keeps coming back to the Roman Catholic Church, and it keeps coming back to the false light. And um, but you know that was you know so Che on he's another one who believes in the latter rain. In fact, this was a um where is it there's this article that came from out of charisma news oh here it is speaking of of on it's and this is from i don't have a date on it but this is out of the online charisma it's he they say on was also president of the board of directors for lou ingles the call he is one of the main movers and shakers in the new apostolic and has been for many years his affiliations, associations, are some of the more famous promoters of the latter rain teachings. On the apostolic movement, it claims oversight of more than 20,000 churches in over 50 nations. Oh, wow. he, is broad, he is broadly accepted as an apostle by many subgroups affiliated with the NAR, appearing at many conferences, including the upcoming Voices, Voice of the Apostles, of the apostles Conference. Jay On, along with John Arnott of the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship in Canada, Bill Johnson, Pastor Bethel Church in Reading, all laid hands on the uh, dis- disreputed evangelist Todd Bentley. <gasps> okay, and they did. That was that was famous, and uh, and so along with with Peter Wagner. So yeah, John Arnott went to see the Pope. Yes, yes, and these guys. Again, they keep directing you back to Catholicism. They this ecumenism and Cheon somehow wormed his way into the life of a Calvary Chapel pastor, Jack Ibbs. You know, joining him yeah. in this political stuff. These guys intentionally try to be leaven in the church. Oh yeah, they intent- some of them do intentionally. Do it, but it's sad to see somebody like Jack Hibbs fall for it too. <laughs> yeah, well, I doubt if Jack Hibbs would agree with this stuff, but at the same time, he's 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 looked turning the other way. Yeah, yeah, yes. Well, like you said, you can't appear on platforms if if you have friendships with some of these people. If you're trying to minister to them, is another thing behind the scenes. Well, but to actually sure. appear with them in public, because people make associations that way. So you can't have and one that, thing coming out of your mouth and then you're doing another. And that's where the, the, the visible public view of Christianity is mingled yeah. Yeah. and met. And, and, and truth seekers can't, can't find a way to cut through it all. It's very difficult. I, I find it very difficult because when you think of some of, the, some of the hundreds of hours, maybe thousands of hours that you spend in research and, and trying to put things together to bring to people, and you think, I'm a, I, I, well, I'm making a dent. I'm making a little bit of a dent, but not as far-reaching as these people are when they have a platform uh, like television. 
Yep. Never. Never. That. No. And I guess it comes down to Jude saying, you know, snatch him out of the fire and talk about you can snatch people individually out and and it, it's it's not going to be. I look at it this way. I look at it as the harvest. There was the harvest. I think it was white under harvest back during the Jesus people movement. And after that, uh, the gleaners come after the harvest. And the gleaners can just pick, the, pick it one by one here and there with what's left over, you know. And it's not going to be some grand sweeping harvest no. anymore. No. It's just we're the gleaners that can maybe snatch them out one at a time. But we all have to do our share. No, we all have to do our share. And the, and the thing is, we can see, we can learn from the things of the past. I can learn from my past. You can learn from your past. And then we can try to help people along the way and say, well, this is what happened to me. This, And, and people can identify with that because I know when I was coming out of Word of Faith, I had so many questions and I had friends and they didn't desert me that didn't believe like me, but they stuck with me. They ministered to me. And they didn't say, well, I'm not going to have anything to do with Susan because she's in that word of faith movement. And I don't even want to minister to her. They did. They gave me books. They mm -hmm. gave me tapes. They, and so if, yeah. if, if somebody wants to be my friend, I might not agree with them, but I can still be friends with people that I don't agree with. And I, my job is to minister to them if they're open to ministry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because if they're hostile to ministry, then that's time to wipe the dust off your feet. Yeah, and you have to wipe the dust off your feet. But I wasn't hostile to ministry. I didn't yeah. at first. You wanted they... the truth. Pardon? I said you wanted the truth. I wanted the truth. I didn't, I, even when they gave me the books at first and the tapes, I didn't want to listen to them at first. I said, <laughs> oh, well, that was nice. But I put, a, I put the things in my drawer I didn't throw it out and say, no, I'm not. How dare you say that to me? Or, uh, Well, I had it there. And then I got curious and started reading the books and listening to the tapes. And I said, yeah, I'm not, yeah. It doesn't make any sense what Kenneth Hagin is teaching. It doesn't make any sense what Kenneth Copeland is teaching. So we have to be open to minister to people if, if uh, we see that door open. But like you said, if they're hostile, you can't. There's just no... Yes. I mean, it seems like when people, so many times new believers are even snatched up by cults because they don't, they aren't grounded in the word enough to be able to test things. And that's when they're the most vulnerable. You're very vulnerable so. at that time, very vulnerable. And so that's, yeah. it's always good. I had good people around me that kind of looked out for me at first and try to guide me along the way. And, and it was funny, like if, if I was doing something wrong, there would be somebody there. And <laughs> I'd say, how do they know yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know my, my little sister, one of my little sisters, that uh, she wasn't, she wasn't, she had just given her life to the Lord, like within two months period. And I was starting to take her at that time to, you know, the Bible study that I attended. And, you know, and she called me up and she said, she said, uh, there's these people at the door. They want to invite me to their Bible study. And um, and so I said, she said, should I let them in? And I said, ask them if they affirm the Trinity. I, I don't know. You know, that's because I was sitting under Walter Martin's ministry. And they said, oh, you know, they, these cults, a lot of them deny the Trinity. So she goes over there and they said, oh, no, that's of the devil. I said, then shine the door in their face. 
it, it, they just, it's like the devil points them and directs them to those, to the new believers or something. Oh, and, you, and that one group, Jehovah Witnesses, you tell them, don't come back. Don't ring my bell anymore. Please don't come back. But they'll be there. They don't come anymore because of COVID. But no matter how many times you tell them not to come, <laughs> they still show up. But anyway. But this, that cult, yeah, that cult was called the Way International. Oh, yeah. They were big back then, yeah. back in the... Yeah. Yeah, seventies and, and the were, early eighties. I remember, and they were door knockers. Yeah, and they they were they they had a lot of the truth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But they they were horrible. Absolutely. But they were snap. Yeah, they were snatching people away. Uh, but yeah. they could they could sure try to give people a good word. But anyway, it's been a great program, Jack. I always love talking to you, and I've been ministered to. I know myself, so it's I just well, I'm so me grateful. too. Yeah, it's so yeah. refreshing to have good fellowship and to talk about these things. It just it's very very helpful, and uh, I know all our different listeners, and we we really have to pray for our brethren there in the Ukraine and Russia too. And of course our brethren in Canada, they've got the truckers marching down to Washington. <laughs> that should be something. <laughs> That's something to see that whole line of trucks coming. Well, the world, the, the world is in chaos right now. And uh, that just means we have to stay all the closer and to, to Jesus and to each other. Well, that's it. That's it. We do have to stay close to each other and try to uh, lift each other up and be there for each mm-hmm. other because really the world's in a mess and, and people are really trying. They're trying to have their protest and they're trying to get the right things done and they're just... It, the leaders are so hard-hearted. It's, it's amazing to watch that the things that happened in Canada where they were going to take people's dogs and kill their animals and freeze their bank oh. accounts. It just... You, you can't even believe. We never thought we'd see anything like this. Never. In, in the West. Not in the West. Not in the West. You uh, Never. And you think, never. well, they have a right to protest. Why don't you listen to them? But it, it's the same thing like we're doing. It's like, why won't you listen? And, yeah. And people get hard-hearted and they won't listen anymore. And that's the, that's how it is with... with uh, the politicians, but it's also the politicians that are in the church. They get hard-hearted. Yeah. And then they won't well, listen. But these are perilous times, and we knew they were coming. <laughs> we knew they were coming, but we never thought, I never thought I was going to see it, really. Not like this, no. no. I never thought. I, I, We still have our own little world, so to speak, but yet there's a whole world out there that's just in total chaos. And uh, they need Jesus. Yeah, they need Jesus. They really do. So we we want to tell people the good news and try to, like you say, snatch them out of the fire so they don't get burned. But anyway. Okay, Jackie, thanks so much. How can people get in touch with you now if they want to? Well, they can go to ChristianSentinel.com. Or find me on Facebook with my name, Jackie Alnor, and you can also look me up on YouTube and Rumble. Okay. And don't forget, yes, the Christian Sentinel. There's some great articles there. Jackie spent a lot of time writing these articles, great research there. 
that will help your Christian Sentinel.com. And then she does have a public Facebook page. So she, she talks to you on Facebook. She will talk to you <laughs> <laughs> and her YouTube channel. She's got some great information on there. So, and rumble. So check, check it out for our new listeners that haven't, um, that aren't acquainted with Jackie. You'll really enjoy her information. So thanks, Jackie. Great program today. Okay, till next time. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. <laughs> All right, bye. bye. All right, everybody, that's our program for today. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. All our brethren, and especially we get our most listeners, of course, from the United States and Canada, South Africa, Australia, and the United Kingdom. We also have many listeners in other parts of the world, but that's the majority of our listeners. And we're one body in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank the Lord for all his blessings. And, of course, there's people that might have tuned in and you don't know the Lord, and you say, wow, you talk about all these things going on, and how could I ever get an opportunity to know the Lord can the Lord forgive me? Can he love me no matter what I've done? And he, he does. He does forgive you. He, he died for you because he loves you. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. And he said in the third chapter of John that you must be born again. First, you're born of your mother. Then you must be born again of the spirit of God and repent of your sins. He said, if you would repent of your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And he gives you a brand new life. Oh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle being born again. You get a brand new life and the old things pass away and all things become new. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says, as it as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Because some people say, well, I'm a good person, and I don't sin. Well, everybody sins. There's only been one perfect person that walked the earth, and his name was Jesus Christ. But that's that's one step toward salvation is to admit you're a sinner and that you're in need of a savior. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, amen. So give your life to Jesus today. Some of you, 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 you think about it sometimes. And you don't have to think about it anymore. Just turn your life over to the Lord. Let him give you joy and peace in this troubled world. And he said that he is the comforter. The comforter has come and he's given us the Holy Spirit to comfort us. So I just pray that you'll give your life to the Lord today. He loves you. He really does. God loves us with an unconditional love. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.